Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. One win and run coming right up, boys. Bye. Mr. Stahl. Hey, Jared. More bet. You done? <laughs> Thanks, Tom. Good ever. Have a good evening. Just closing up, fellas. Coffee. I'm sorry, bro. We're, we're closed. Oh, I know that. I do know that. Ah, shut up! We don't carry much cash here. <laughs> don't move. Do it! They were gonna kill us. You saved our lives. Hello, my hero. Tom Stahl is a family man with long-standing ties to this community. Right now, this community is rallying behind him and calling him a hero. Way to go, Tommy. Great, more reporters. You look like reporters. You're the big hero. Really don't like talking about it, sir. You sure took care of those two bad men. Joey. My name is Tom. It's Joey. You tell me. My daughter, where is she? What's going on, Dad? They thought they knew me. Thought I was somebody else. Nothing to worry about, Mrs. Stahl. I've been watching over. I don't know what you want, and I don't really care. You should care about what I want, because what I want might change your life. But why don't you ask Tom? And ask him, how come he's so good at killing people? Mr. Stahl, I believe you have a letter for me. And yes, Mr. Stahl, and what was your first name? I, I don't know. And I'm Sebastian. How did you fuck that up? I'm Andy Chosler. I told you, I've never been to Philadelphia. And I'm Jordan, and that's a factual statement, so I went with that. 
and welcome to our review of A History of Violence. Jordan, I actually had that quote written down and decided it's too risky, just make one up. Sorry. <laughs> Almost three weeks in a row, I stole your quote. Nearly. We would have had to have some stern words if that were the case. Oh, my goodness. Oh, all right. So, A History of Violence. I mean, it's, it's one of those things you would think that we would maybe, you know, cover before we hit record, but we never do. We actually discussed this when the show first started, like three, four years ago, with Alex and myself. And we're like, should we run close by each other? And he literally was like, nah, let's just see how it goes. And that's unfortunately become sort of the motto of the show. Let's keep the chaos. <laughs> should we do any sort of prep work? Nah, let's see how it goes. <laughs> oh my God. Just, I'll do it on the night. Yeah, yeah. It's all, it's, it's just full dress rehearsal the entire time, right? <laughs> is that how that works? I'm not a theatre guy. I have no idea. I, I think so. So, has anyone seen this movie before? Nope, never, never heard of it. Time. Never heard of it either. Oh, wow. I remember, no, I, never even heard of it. I remember the marketing for this one being quite, um, well, just a lot of it. I remember because it was 2005, so came out actually weirdly enough the same time as next next week's film uh, Munich, so same year. Um I guess between the two of them, they do share the runtime of one movie. Oh, sorry, of uh, two different movies. <laughs> but um, yeah, I remember this being like all over the place. I just never saw it because I guess yeah. I just didn't buy into that Lord of the Rings, like Vigo Mortensen, whatever it is, hype and everything and to rush to the cinemas to see this. Also, I was like in grade nine or 10. <laughs> <laughs> was, it, was it rated R in Australia as well? Oh, that is a good question. I will find out. It was kind of graphic, wasn't it? Like weirdly, um, I didn't expect yeah, it to be in, in places. In, yeah, it it's definitely had short in, bursts. Yeah, in the way that a horror movie can be graphic, just with its murder scenes. But other than that, there's really nothing, nothing about it that is terribly different from the other, you know, mafia films. Yeah, not really. People, people get shot. They they die. But since Cronenberg's involved, of course, the makeup's going to be quite wonderful. Well, yeah, that's yeah, exactly we are right. an, another week on this show, another villain with a facial deformity. It seems like it's our niche now. Yeah. <laughs> that is the secret retrospective that I uh, signed us up for, guys, the facial deformity villain special. <laughs> um, just wait till you get to Munich, where actually, I'm now thinking, I don't think there's a single facial deformity in that film. I immediately take it back. But Jeffrey Rush is in it, ah, so that's fine. Blew it. Oh, that counts. No, I think the characters all have mental deficiencies in that film. <laughs> yep, especially the explosives can't, <laughs> can't actually seem to achieve anything. Yeah. Well, they just luck into, into all the hits. That's all international espionage is, Andrew. It's just lucking into killing the right people. <laughs> um, That's right. I've seen Johnny English. I know how it works. Yeah, well, that Johnny English is effectively a documentary of the British Secret, Secret Service. Um, <laughs> this film, though, so this was actually based off a graphic novel um, that is if not from DC Comics, but from one of the companies that they own. So it kind of falls under the DC umbrella, but it's, you know, it's like, was it Walt Disney owns DreamWorks, is it? So is that right now? Yeah, I think they do. I think so, yeah. But, so, but it's still a DreamWorks production, even though technically mm. the money does go back to the mouse. So it's sort of that situation. Um <laughs> I think it's Dark Horse from top of my head, but I cannot remember. That sounds right. Most of the like darker stuff that winds up having like a film adaption is generally from Dark Horse. 
Yeah, I can't see it written though, which is, which is now confusing me. But other way, I'll find it. It doesn't matter. Um, but yeah, so this is sort of, I guess, meant to be one of those little like star projects for Vigo, literally coming out of Lord of the Rings and going into it. So, oh, it's from Paradox Press. And later then, uh, Vertigo, uh, and then it came out through Vertigo Comics. There we go. So Vertigo, which is, yeah, once again. They were both put out by DC. Okay. Yep. Um, but yeah, I think this was meant to carry the big hype of, oh, look, we got Aragorn in a film. Look, he's doing Aragorn things. But I just... Don't... These are not Aragorn things. <laughs> no, these are definitely not. But I mean, I, I guess Andrew's more likely to be able to speak to the success of this film. But Andrew, did his, did his star power carry it over the line or what? I was excited when I found out Ed Harris and William Hurt were in it. Uh, who when, was I it saw, when I saw their names, when I saw their names coming from the credits, Ed Harris and William Hurt. Oh, William Hurt's in everything, dude. Everything. <laughs> I know. I know he's good. I like him. People say he's dull, but I really like. Him. No, he's great. And he steals this movie. That's for sure. Oh yeah, you know he's fantastic in this film. I, I want a spin-off of just him. Right, we're talking about the. Well, wait, I must have thinking of the wrong character. Oh, no, I was thinking of the bloody sheriff. I want to spin off of the sheriff's character. The sh- what? Sam the sheriff? Yeah. Who are you? Who comes around and says, and says oh, you, you, you guys better watch out. Oh, I'm a little bit suspicious. Do you mind asking, answering a few questions? Oh, you don't? Oh, <laughs> well, that's all right. I'll come back another time maybe when... when There'd be about as much going on in his spinoff as as there is in this movie, it'd be very, very simple. Yeah, that's exactly what I want in my films. What are you guys talking? Which one was William Hurt again? Richie. Yeah, yeah, he was the, yeah. the boss at the end. The bro- his brother, wasn't his he? Brother. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Ned Harris is uh, the middleman. Yeah. It's I- the only good scene in the film, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I would agree. <laughs> yeah. When I hear Ed, Ed Harris, Ed. I know who we're talking about, but I always think of Ed Helms from um, Hangover <laughs> Films. God, this was not Ed Helms. Him in that position, <laughs> I probably would have enjoyed it more, to be honest, to see him play that character. I'll take it. Really, I actually just rewatched The Truman Show this week, uh, which obviously has Ed Harris mm. as the, um, yeah. the architect Christoph. for like Christoph, yeah, that's the one, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, if I'm going to hint at my recommendations right now, go back and watch The Truman Show. <laughs> Do not watch his violence. <laughs> if, you're, if you're looking for some Ed Harris content, go to The Truman Show. So do we have any stats on how this film did financially at all, Andrew? Absolutely. Had a pretty low budget for, uh, for a 2005 film. 32 mil. Uh, and I'm not surprised that I hadn't heard of it because on that budget, why would you market heavily? Mm. But if they if they did, it probably just made its money back. It, it took sixty one million at the box office. That is more than I would have pegged this film for taking. Like, mm. okay. what's the definition of a feature length film? Because this felt like a TV movie to me, both in length and for, apart from some of the. It kind of did, yeah, yeah. Apart from maybe yeah, some of the not- violence, which was, I think, oh, I'm saying that though. You compare some of the gore to like maybe Game of Thrones, which is a bit more modern day. It's not right. that far off, I'd say. I mean, this film was very bloody in certain parts, but if you cut out all the blood and just said, oh, this was just a nine news fucking exclusive channel um, show or whatever, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, for most of the film, it is just a, just a romance drama of this guy trying to keep his family together 
despite his, his past coming coming back at him. And he denies it, denies it, and then eventually he, he, he can't deny it anymore in the face of all the evidence. Yeah, it kind of feels like me in a D&D game getting caught on all my bullshit, but very late <laughs> game where there's too much bullshit for me to climb out of. And I kind of, I mean, I kind of respect that level of uh, in-game dishonesty. But okay, so I went in with kind of bare bones knowledge that the premise is he gets accused of being someone he says he's not. And the, the idea is, is he or isn't he this guy? I think that's a cool premise, but I do feel as though it kind of is very obvious from maybe the first time that you see him <laughs> that he is definitely who he says he isn't. But the film takes so long to get there. Like yeah. The first act is the setup, and even by the end of the first act, you still don't really have a sense of where the film is going. Yeah, that's like the first thing I noted down Like as I was watching it. I'm like, okay, so they're, they're 69ing. We're 25 minutes into this movie, and I still have no idea what it's about. Yeah, okay, so we know he, he loves his wife. He's got his, he's got his job, and there are these two shady characters who are driving through their town. Okay. And you, you don't really get any foreshadowing that mm. he's who he is. He's just he's just this family guy. Yeah, for a, like for a short movie, it takes like quite a long time to get going when you consider yeah. it's only really like what an hour and hour and forty minutes or something. At one thirty five, one thirty three, or something like that. It was really oh no, wow, not even that. Including credits and everything, like it was very short, which was, uh, trust me, double featuring this with Munich was a blessing because I was like, okay, well, this film is barely feature length and this film is the length of three films. Yeah. It, it, it seems to me like it should have been a film that probably could have gotten away with a two-hour runtime had they gotten to the story right from the beginning. Yeah. There's a lot you can tell in this film. I just think it was... By, by the end of it, it was completely forgettable. It wasn't bad. It was just forgettable. Yeah, that's ultimately what I sort of thought coming out of it as well. I was like, I got to the end of it, I was like, did I like that? I, I don't know. <laughs> it was pretty well, inoffensive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, audiences seem to like it, though. It carries a 7.4 on IMDb. Mm, um, I saw it got like really, really favorable reviews from when I was looking it up. Rotten Tomatoes, the audience is about the same at 76, but the critics loved it, 87%. The critics are stupid. They're all stupid, guys. <laughs> no, I, I kind of get where they're coming from because it's not a bad film. It's just kind of dull for a long mm. time with an yeah. awesome William Hurt scene. <laughs> uh, but why, okay, why get Cronenberg for this film? That's, that's my question. Like, Out of all the things that that man is known for, it's not this kind of movie. Like I said, you get the you get the the gore, which was different to how it would be, you know, if any other director filmed it in this sense, like for this kind of film. That's the real key difference. But why him? Why choose him for this? You know, you, you know, you know. You hear those stories of okay, this this one famous guy, you know, famous for this one thing and is awesome at this one thing, is actually kind of good at this other thing as well that you've never heard about. Yep. This may have been him trying to make a film that isn't a Cronenberg film. Mm. He still he still has a little bit of the, the makeup and, and, and such going on for all the bullets going through, and it's quite gory in that sense. Yeah, and it works. It's it's good, but yeah, none, the rest of the film isn't isn't a horror. Isn't his uh, his kind of niche, uh, I guess. And it could have just been him trying to do something that was out of character. Yeah, I just argue that it was 
a boring, oh, sorry, an interesting premise, but just shot and put together in such a mundane way that it weirdly yeah. just felt like there was no, even when there were, you know, short bursts of tension here and there, I just felt so detached from it. And this kind of has me concerned because later on this year, in our queue, we're meant to be doing Road to Perdition, which is in that Tom Hanks film. I think there's a chance you guys might have seen this one prior. I have not, but... I haven't seen it, but I've heard of it. Yeah. And it's also from the same thing. It's from, it's from a Paradox Press um, series. So same under the DC, under their second tier banner. Mm. And I heard really good things about it, but now I'm concerned that were they just mm-hmm. going through one of those phases like they, they talk about in Jay and Silent Bob where like the studio is just like, oh, it's, comics are hot. Let's release comics for everything. Yeah. And yeah. So well, there's, there's another big thing that despite Cronenberg, you know, whatever his reasons were for doing it, he um, he didn't know it was a graphic novel adaptation. He signed off. Mm. Well, having he, like he, seen some of his older stuff and like knowing like what he's really well known for, I definitely wasn't expecting what this film turned out to be. I guess the flies obviously everyone's go to when it comes to like a Cronenberg mm. film. Like they, they literally use his name as an Yeah, like adjective. you always just think of like body horror and stuff like that, I guess, is associated with his name. But it's it's funny that you should mention that um uh, the film was banking on the Lord of the Rings hype with Viggo Mortensen. The film was clearly trying to get some star power involved. Take yes, who turned down the role of Tom Stall. Ooh. Older guy. You kind of he, he's done a few of those films now. So where he's Liam Neeson, the guy who is who is beset with you know a troubled past. I, Neeson would have been my pick too, to be honest. Uh, is, we're talking American, mm. are we? Right? Vigo's not even American, is he? I don't know where Vigo's from. But either way, doesn't sound very American. Are we talking about the guy who turned the guy who turned it down is definitely American, quintessential American man. Hmm. You see him and you'll think, ah, yes, American man. It's just Tom Hanks again. Um, no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford. Ah, I can see that. But who would not believe that? <laughs> like, who would be like, oh, Harrison Ford would never attack anyone? Who's that stupid? Harrison Ford, ex-president, is now just, you know, <laughs> sitting around pouring coffee at some shitty diner in some podunk town. <laughs> Oh, I, I don't buy it, but that's fine. Um, I'm, I didn't dislike Vigo's performance, and weirdly, throughout the film, they do they do this thing. It's like a subtle like difference in his makeup, where at the very end of the film, his character's hair is like fully slicked back, and he actually looks like yeah. he would be part of an organized like crime syndicate, um, like organically. So I think he's a good pick because he does kind of look like that approachable sort of country town guy at the beginning of the film. And by the end of the film, he does yeah. come across as more of a, a dangerous you know, human. I mean, we know he's dangerous the entire time, but he looks yeah. it. So yeah, it fine. I don't think he was a bad choice. It's just the movie's so fucking uninspired. That's, yeah. But, For a long time. But I, I imagine it, you know, the, the graphic novel would have been quite a lot more detailed. Uh, in what it had, and through the rewrites that that happened when it's been uh, adapted, um, a lot of source material must have been cut out. That's that, that's why I say I reckon this could have been a two-hour film had they really gone in depth with with it, with everything. 
Oh, yeah, which is it's weird that we we very rarely ask, can you make your films longer? Because it's normally the other way around. <laughs> well, um, it, it would have had to have been longer, but I think they could have gotten away with it. Because I, I can't understand why anybody would have insisted that this be a 90-minute feature at a time when yeah, Lord of the Rings films were popular and were three and a half hours in, in running mm. And that did not bother anybody just because the content was so good. It was so rich. But this ain't Lord of the Rings, which weirdly enough, in the last week, I've also watched two of. This is a weird <laughs> oh, week. God. In a week where Why? I had to watch movies. Why have you done this then? I just felt like it. And weirdly, yeah, I ended up doing a, the first two again and then obviously double featured this in Munich. And it was a lot of movies this this week, actually. I don't know what I've done. <laughs> <laughs> I've, all week I felt like I've had no time, but here I go. <laughs> uh, believe it or not, this was, for a few years, the last film released on VHS. Oh, really? The last oh, film released on VHS, yeah. Until um, what an Devil, The House of the Devil in, in 2010. That, that was the, the only other film after this one that was released on VHS. Is it House of the Devil? House of the Devil. What the fuck is? I mean, I'm looking it up, but what the hell is that? No, it's it, yeah. That's why it was released on VHS because <laughs> it, it's nothing. VHS must have been cheap by then. I guess so, but if no one can watch it, what are you doing? Yeah, for the enthusiasts, uh, it's, a, for the, it's a horror film. Yeah, there's a lot of VHS enthusiasts in that uh, in that fandom, so it's probably a gimmick. <laughs> Yeah, I can see, like, literally their second picture on IMDb is a picture of the DVD and a picture of the VHS side by side. Well, wouldn't you be interested in a film that, say, released its soundtrack on vinyl only? Not on Spotify, not on CD, it's only vinyl. Wouldn't you go, yeah, yeah, I might be interested in that. I mean, tangentially, I mean, I, I do have a record player, so I guess that's not the that's not a killer yeah, there you for are. me. <laughs> But like, oh, anyway, I, I can't even hook a VHS up to my current TV. That's how bad that is. Because <laughs> the tape is just no longer compatible. Is there any... Um, Definitely. I was going to say, is there any other points we want to go into before we get into the actual plot of this thing then? Because it's... Yeah. The other thing I have is that the, the first scene where Tom meets Fogarty, uh, Viggo Mortensen and Ed Harris' character, Viggo couldn't stop laughing. Um, through the scene, had to be reshot many, many times just because Vigo couldn't stop laughing. Um, Ed Harris eventually got the jacket of it and took off his pants. Uh, <laughs> if you're going to laugh at something, here's something to laugh about. And apparently, that that sounded pretty. <laughs> he could he could take it seriously then. Actors are weird. Can we just uh, maybe just put that as a, yeah. as a blanket statement? Yeah. Oh hell, I'd act you know in, in in just my underwear if I could. It was great. Read the news, you know, in a pair of boxes. Sure, nobody's going to see it. I'm comfortable. I mean, that's a, that's a very Ron Burgundy thing, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into this. Uh, this movie, I guess. This will be a really short plot plot, plot breakdown, effectively, right? Like. Yeah, like I was saying, there's really not much to it. Like it's just like I guess it's a three three simple plot bits, like every movie, but they just they come at you quick. Yeah. So, well, once once it gets started, they come at you quicker. I don't want to rush through this, so please, guys, fill in the gaps if I'm missing anything. But in short, we got Viggo Mortensen playing Tom Stall. 
he runs a cafe. That is the that is the opening. That is the first third of the movie. <laughs> no, um, no. Um, some men come into town. The, the, the first thing, the first thing we're treated to is is a five minute unbroken sequence, one cut of two guys coming out of a motel room, saying, uh, "I've got to go back in." One guy getting in the car, driving up the three doors, waiting around for a minute, then the other guy coming out. And the guy in the car scooting over, letting the other guy in and saying, what took you so long? And the guy getting into the car, the older guy, goes, "Uh, mind your own business or something. And then they drive off. That's how we start the film. Five minutes of absolutely nothing, just introducing these two guys. Uh, Well, I mean, you know, we, we find out that they've killed the owner and the maid and they go back for water and this little girl that comes out and you know, the younger guy shoots the little girl because you can't have any witnesses. And these are these are our supposed bad guys. But aren't these the guys that die maybe like 20 minutes later as well? Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah exactly. they're not around for them. That's what I mean. You get to the end of the first pack, and yeah, it is just Tom Stall is a, a guy in a diner. He's got the family. He's 69 with his wife who dresses in a cheerleader outfit to keep the romance going. Good on him. And then, yeah, they, they come back in the diner. He kills them. He's a hero on the news. And you still have no idea where this film is going. So I should say, so the, these two guys hold up the diner. They seem to know who Tom actually is. And they, they, they're never there to hold up the diner. I think that they're there for him, we established, right? See, I didn't pick up that they knew who he was. They were just there to rob the place. And that, and that was a place that was open. Oh, I mean, maybe I thought they. Were, I just assumed they were all related, but I mean, they could have just been two mobsters. But we spent a lot of time on them, which is crazy if they're not related to the main villains either. Spent a lot of time on them, and there's no established connection to any of the villains further on in the film, and there's no real background on them. We know nothing about these guys, and it ultimately doesn't matter because they're mm. just there to be blown away. Yeah, so they they hold up the diner. Vigo goes crazy, takes one of them out with a coffee pot, grabs his gun, shoots the other one, and then, yeah, kills the first one. And that's pretty much it. It's it's a very quick sequence, but yep. I guess we're there to establish, oh, shit, this guy's not normal. But nothing he did felt, like, crazy extreme either, right? Like, the only thing that he did that was, like, <laughs> insane was getting stabbed in the foot and not flinching. Mm, yeah. <laughs> it is kind of believable. You can, you can buy it. If you didn't know that he had a history of being in the mob, you could kind of go, okay, maybe he's seen some movies or, you know, he plays sport or something so he can jump over the counter and spin around really quick and not uh, and not lose his um, his balance or whatever. And shooting a gun at, at so close a range, he didn't make precision shots. He just sort of aimed the gun and fired a few shots at the guy. And it's kind of believable that, a, that an ordinary guy could, could get away with it. These are all things I think a farmer could do. And he feel, I feel like they're yeah. south enough that he could have come from a farm. Yeah. So I wasn't surprised. Like it was, yeah. Yeah, exactly right. And so when, when, the, um, when the real mob shows up at Harris and says, hey, Joey, Joey, Joey Cusack, how are you doing? And he Joey, goes, Joe, 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 Jr. <laughs> that is the stupidest name I've ever heard. <laughs> He says, but Joey, no, I'm not Joey. I have never been to Philadelphia. Where, <laughs> where is that? In Pennsylvania? Yeah. 
Yeah, nice cover, dude. <laughs> Everybody believes you. Just pretend you've never heard of it. I've never been to these United <laughs> States that you speak of. Philadelphia? Is that some foreign drink? Yeah. <laughs> but when they come along... Uh, sorry, I forgot where I was going with that. So this is when um old mate shows up. Uh, Ed Harris, right? Yes. Yeah, so Ed Harris shows yeah, up, yeah. approaches him at the diner as well, accuses him of being Joey Jojo, whatever his name is, and they go on their <laughs> way, and he spends the next half hour just being very annoying. Yeah. I mean, they don't kidnap you. You would think a mob who is really just trying to get him back to, to kill him, right? He just, he just needs to be killed. But it's the mob, and they're going to drag it out. They need everybody in the mob world to know that if you do do wrong by the mob, you're going to be tortured and, and have a horrible death. So they have to get him back to Philadelphia. But they don't really begin to kidnap him. It's just Ed Harris driving around being a nuisance, being menacing, going, look, I'm here. I followed your wife to the thing. I know who your daughter is. I'm going to annoy all your children. Like, yeah, that's his thing. It's stupid. <laughs> like, he's but being bench- menacing for the sake of being menacing, but he's not actually accomplishing the goal and the reason he's there, which is even more infuriating. Oh, he's just treading water. From, from, from the film, it is menacing because you, you, you've still got uh, his, his wife, Eddie, who genuinely doesn't know what's going on and at first... He's thinking he's just mistaken identity, um, and you know somebody's seen him on the news, and he's just confusing him, or is you know is mistaking him for, for for somebody who he clearly couldn't be because he's just a calm, peaceful diner guy. He couldn't be mm. this you know monster guy that you're that you're talking about. So as as we see her being being terrified of, of these guys, you kind of uh, kind of buy it. Okay, if if it really is mistaken identity, you still I, I still didn't know if the film was going that way. I suspected it was real, but there was a part of me that thought, okay, maybe it really is mistaken identity, and he's just, you know, it's going to be a John Wick thing. Oh, no, that, that's a bad example because he actually was a killer. Absolutely. It's just going to be some film where he genuinely isn't this Joey Cusack that everybody insists that he is. Um, uh, oh, have you ever seen Who is Cletus Tout with Christian Slater? Oh, I have not. But no. Do go on. It's a very good film, and it's it's a very much a mistaken identity for very good reasons. And he becomes hunted, and he has to turn into this uh, this uh, not a mobster, but he essentially has to become this fighter guy who he's who he's never been in the past just to stay alive. And there was a part of me that thought, okay, maybe the film is still going to do that where he, he really isn't this Joey Cusack guy, but he's going to have to fight off the mob and win. Um, and that's going to be the story. He's going to be this this hero who comes from nothing. But that wasn't where it went. Okay. But this, yeah, not where this one goes. This one, he is exactly everything they're saying he is. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Which is, like I said, much more boring. <laughs> Well, I mean, it is like there's no mystery. He's exactly what they're accusing him of being. He barely tries to hide it. Halfway through the film, he's just sort of like, it's very obvious that that's who he is, even though his wife doesn't know yet, but she will. And it's such a waste, a wasted opportunity. 
Like you could actually really, really, really be pushing. I would love an ambivalent ending where you don't know. Yeah. Like he's yeah. doing all these crazy things, but he's still, you know, he's doing it to protect his life, not to protect his new life. Like you could really push it in that way. And that might be yeah. a criticism of the, the story in general, but the way that it's put together in this film, it's just like, you're a clown. I'm not a clown. Yeah. It's on clown makeup. Oh, you are a clown. Oh, you got me. I, I was a clown the time. Like, it's like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. Like, early on in the movie, I was thinking like, oh, this is a pretty interesting concept. But then like, they just kind of, they just went like in on it too quickly, I guess would be the way to go. Like if they, like you said, if they'd left it kind of ambivalent until even just towards the end, rather than like halfway through the movie being like, yep, that's me. I did the Iggy. Like maybe it would have been a bit more interesting. I was going to say, a character that I did like was his son. I thought his son was very funny. I think he's from X-Men. He might not be. He looked like one of the younger guys from the um, the original X-Men trilogy, but I don't know, actors. Oh, right. What was that? No, no, uh, I I, I think you're right. He does have a familiar face like that. I think he's the fire guy from X-Men, like from like the second one or whatever. doesn't matter. Um, I didn't mind the son's character. I, I thought his scenes with the bully were actually pretty pretty well done. Like I thought his interactions with him, even just starting off with like the baseball game and then after that in the locker room and then later on when he actually beats the shit out of the bully. I thought those were all really good. Mm. I love when he when he discovers that his father is who he is. Um, him just effectively saying like, so everything you've ever taught me is a huge double standard then, right? Like I liked that whole conversation. Yeah. With <laughs> so there are some, but oh, sorry. Yeah. I don't know if it was a double standard because he was trying to get away from that life. Yeah. He did, he did renounce it and was now just this, this diner owner. Mild mannered diner man. Yeah. Yeah. And he had no interest in his, in his past coming back. No, no, completely. It was just more like, I just liked, like, if I go do this, you're going to have me whacked or whatever he said. Like, just a, just being a yeah. an annoyed son, which is interesting. Uh, yeah, that happens. Once Once the family finds out that he, he genuinely is the mob, they all turn against him and go really cynical all at once. <laughs> yep. <laughs> which is it's my favorite part of the movie. We're oh. not going to leave. <laughs> We're not scared of you. We're just going to stand near you. And fucking sass you. Like with venom. Yeah. Like that's all we're gonna do. Like it's it's both a very realistic and completely ludicrous response to the situation. It, yeah, it just feels so weird. It feels so out of place. But eventually we get to the end of Act Two where Ed Harris has just been taunting this family the whole time. He eventually comes to the house with his with his boys, with his goons. Uh and, and says, all right, enough's enough, Joey. Come on back. I've got to take you in. And he kills them all. Yeah. With, 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 the help his, with the help of his son. Brutally, he fucking kicks off a guy's nose. That was the part oh, where was like, okay, at the beginning of the film when he shoots the guy in the back of the head and then we get that shot where his jaw has come out and it's like splattered yeah. in the ground. I was like, oh, this is more gory than I thought it would be, but it's okay. And then when he kicks the guy's nose off, I'm like, who the fuck directed this? And that's when I looked up and realized it was a Cronenberg film. Because those were the two points where I was like, it's just so much more gory than it needs to be. Like, it's interesting though. And it, mm. it didn't ruin it for me. It was just like, 
it it just felt like it didn't belong in this film. Yes, yeah, like just just having the 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 squib pack go off and okay, he shot, he he fell down, he's dead. That that would have got got the got the message across. Yeah, like the John Wick films you brought up earlier, they are obviously way more violent. Like, the, I think there's like eleven or something people die in this film, something like that. Maybe it might be a bit more, but you know, thereabouts. Whereas in, yeah. in, in you know the opening scene of a John Wick film, more people die. Okay, sorry, this film's thirteen body count. So, but this film's also just like way more gory. I don't remember there being any deaths that were that fucked up in the John Wick series. I think he kills a guy with a mm. book in a library by dislodging his neck or something, or, or his jaw. That's, <laughs> that was the grossest death that I can remember in that entire series. And even that wasn't too bad. So, he so kills his thugs on his lawn, and that's when his family is like, killed- oh God, you're a mobster. <laughs> <laughs> and then he, uh, he makes a couple of calls, and away he goes to to Philly to confront these guys because it's, it's just not going to stop. But he just never been to Philly. Yeah. Where's it? How does he know where to go? Yeah, how does he know his way around? And yet he managed to find this this diner in in, in the center of Philly where he where this guy who he's supposed to meet and he knows his name. Yeah, remarkable, right? What a coincidence, and lucky that the people of Philadelphia are so warm and friendly that they would assist this <laughs> innocent gentleman <laughs> so in his quest. <laughs> I don't even know the guy, and he just invites him into his home. Well, that's <laughs> nice. What What do you mean they're brothers? <laughs> also, so all that- they're brothers. Yep. What a dickhead. Not not Vigo's character. <laughs> He's probably like, hey, brother, I know you just want out of this life of crime, and you've been out for three years, and all of our lives have moved on, but also we're going to kill you. What a dickhead. <laughs> no, he, he does explain it. He, he says, you, because... It, uh, 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 Joey um, had a had a hit, or just went after uh, Fogarty, which is Ed Harris' character. Went after him and didn't kill him, but mutilated his eye with barbed wire. For for the whole film, they keep saying that, and I'm wondering how on earth would you do that? Did he kind of stick the barbed wire in and scramble his eye around? It's, it, the eye is still there. What exactly yeah. did he do? Yeah. Well, we never get that answer. It's a DC comic book, so I assume he threw an acid vial onto his face or something. Yeah, it, it could have been that. But, but but he does explain it that okay, you went after this guy. He was he was made. He was safe. You know, yet if you're going after this guy, it has to be through proper channels. It's like it's like the police with warrants, right? You can't just go and arrest anybody you need. It has to be legitimate. Yeah. So he says, yeah, you, you you went against the family. You went against our rules. You're a rogue. In our in our pirate world, so you have to be taken out. It doesn't matter that I'm your brother. In fact, I'm the one with the responsibility of taking you out because I'm you. And I'm playing by the rules. I want to keep going up in the ranks. Oh, but I I don't think he's I, I don't think he's wrong for for doing that. He he wouldn't have been put in that position if Joey didn't go crazy in the first place. I guess it's just, it's so far detached. That's that that's my only problem. Like when somebody's removed themselves so well, grabbing them and bringing them back into it just feels more petty well, than justice motivated. He, he, he brought him back to send the message to everybody else in the, in the underworld that if you mess with the rules, this is what happens to you. It has to be, it has to be public. It has to be big. Yeah. I find it. You can't, you, you can't. 
this is all started because of that initial robbery. Yeah. Obviously he kills the two, yeah. kills the two guys and his face gets put in the local newspaper in some backwards country town. The idea that that traveled so far that we have to kill him and send a message because now the entire world knows about Mr. Stall. Like no, that- no, 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 no. They're not killing him. No, they, they found him because of that. He'd escaped. No, that's what I mean. Like, was- the fact that, he was known to have been alive, I guess, because of that very localized newspaper report. That's my, it's not like he went international or, or I went. I, no, why wouldn't it? The news, the news outlets always love these, these sort of stories and this, you know, hero. And so they, they've got a legitimate, legitimate, you know, the hero story where this guy in self-defense killed two burglars who were going to kill um, the the hostages essentially. This guy's a hero. Of course, that's going to make it around the country. Yeah, I guess maybe it, I should just. It's not. It's, hang out in it's not his prize-winning tomato. <laughs> he killed two burglars. <laughs> that's true. He killed. He killed two murderers. I guess. Yeah. 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 No. That, okay. That's fair. I was just looking at it because like it's such a small town. The idea that anything that would ever happen in there would be known outside of the border. Like that area, that for me felt a little yeah. bit bigger. But I suppose, yeah, I mean, he it was a pretty crazy act. The idea that they'd also punch the guy's face. Like if I if I did this exact thing at a Starbucks, like it, it all happened. I don't think that the fucking Korean male was going to put my face in the paper, to be fair. They would probably just say uh, a, a patron, but they wouldn't even name me, most likely. Local hero. <laughs> Was no, no, you, you, no, no way. They, they'd have to identify you because everybody would be would want to know who you are. Then that that feels like it's a, oh, I don't know. I guess that's between me and the and the figurative press in this case. But I wouldn't want that. Like, I mean, no, you I, wouldn't want it. But you wouldn't be able to. You wouldn't be able to escape it. You're you're in public. They they don't have any restriction against taking a picture since you're in public. Yeah. You, they, they would argue. They would argue that, that you brought it upon yourself. You brought all the fame upon yourself. Because I do feel like Vigo should have at least had a scene where maybe he tried to speak to the members of the press and be like, before they posted, it and be like, "Oh, I don't want to make a big fuss. You know, if you didn't want to include my name, that would be great. Like, and we can play it off like he's just being humble." Yes, yeah, that would be good. And that I, mean, I know that kind of feels like it gives the game away a little bit. But if you can play it off like he just wants to, you know keep things humble. He doesn't want his kid getting bullied in school because of it. Like there's other reasons why he wouldn't want the family name brought into the paper. Yep. That'd be Absolutely nice. right. And it would have right. added five yeah. minutes to this very short runtime. <laughs> <laughs> but we don't get any of that. Nope. We don't really get much character development. It just, it just tells the, tells the story. An interesting story, but really slowly. Yeah. The whole film, the whole film was really slow like that. And particularly this, Frankly, the best scene in in the movie with, with William Hurt, even that mm. starts off really slow. He's, it does, yeah. He's introducing him. He's you know reconciling with his with his brother. Uh, just kind of warming to the whole thing. They they're hugging. He says, "Come on, come on in." You know, we're being friendly, and this is why you're here. Uh, let me lay it all out for you. And so he's he's doing his bad guy speech. He's, one of his goons goes up to just garrote uh, um, Joey. Joey Jojo. At this point, Joey Jojo. And he, 
William, William Hurt has turned around because he doesn't want to see his, his brother be, be, be killed. But uh, Joey gets the gets the sense that something's about you know about to, to to drop. He sticks his hand up to prevent the garrote from choking him. Bangs, you know, stands up and bangs it on the table, which gets uh, Richie William Hurt's attention. And he turns around with the best look on his face. <laughs> what the fuck is going on? Look, you were just you you snuck up on the guy to choke him, and you screwed it up. How on earth is this going on? Him screaming at that. <laughs> I do like as well, like straight. <laughs> and then like, but like straight after that, he na- manages to miss like three close range gunshots to a barely moving target. But he's got the goal to ask his lackey how they fucked up. Oh, that, that whole situation <laughs> happened because the guy fucked up the garroting. Yeah, everyone is dead. Yeah, he, he misses him. <laughs> Another guy comes in, and Vigo just disarms him and breaks his neck straight away, and kind of uses him as a shield and escapes. And yeah, William Hurt is just what the fuck. <laughs> I know I say this a lot about this film, but it feels like we're watching two different films. We're watching this slow, straight to TV fucking emotional crime drama. And then in these very, very brief moments, we're watching this over-the-top, violent, I don't even know what the fuck it is. Like, it feels like every time an action scene breaks out, it's a different movie, and then it goes right back down yeah. to so dull. Yeah, it really like, does. But you're right, this, this scene, it's like it's directed by somebody else because it has a completely different tone to the rest of the film. And we're not even up to the best part. William Hurt comes out to the to the main hall. There's another guy there. They see the door, the, the front door open. Okay, so obviously Joey's escaped. William Hurt goes outside, and immediately the door closes behind him. He hears a couple of shots, and it's and it's Joey killing his man inside. There's this shot of William Hurt just looking at the door. He puts his gun under his arm and gets out his teeth. He opens the door. <laughs> But then Joey comes out and shoots him in the head, of course, and yeah. that's it. But <laughs> it's brilliant. It's all oh, put my gun away. Get my keys. <laughs> Get back into my house. What the hell is going on? <laughs> this goes so wrong. <laughs> yep. It's. It was oh. funny. It was very funny. It's so. Like, I wish the film was this. This is what I want the film to be. If it's not, if it's going to be what else we got instead, because what we actually get for the entire other part of it is so bloody slow. It's slow, and it doesn't really go anywhere, even when it does get going, and it kind of doesn't end up going anywhere either. Yep. I mean, I mean, you you you, you don't get a sense of. of you know, there maybe it's building to something. You, you don't even get a sense of that, of what it's building towards. It's just a slow mm. Yeah. No, it just it doesn't go anywhere good aside from that. Like I said, that last, that last scene we were just talking about is probably the best thing in the whole movie. And then and it just, that, and then that's, that's done. Yeah, that's, that's done. And we still have another five or ten minutes of the film, which is just shots of Joey Vigo, okay, cleaning his face in the lake and taking his shirt off to show that he bandaged up his shoulder. Then he's back at his family's place. His daughter gets him a plate for dinner. There's just these weird looks around the table. It's just so drawn out. Mm. Don't complain about a drawn-out ending until you bloody watch Munich again. Holy shit. <laughs> that film ended, and then 40 minutes later, the credits rolled. It was insane. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Are you guys happy if we jump ahead to the verdicts for this film, though? Or is there any other points you guys want to talk about in the meantime? And, no, um, no, I, 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 think that's, I think everything that needed to be said has been said. We've almost done the runtime of the movie here, fellas. We've almost hit 50 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> All right, well, bear with us. Oh my God, no, I don't know. It wasn't even that bad. It wasn't bad and it was short, so that's fine. But it was so mediocre. You just just watch any TV show that is a parody of this sort of idea and it will probably be put together better than this film was. Like, because it's not a unique idea. It's just, it had so much potential and they did nothing with it. And unfortunately, one hilarious good action scene at the end doesn't save it, even though that's what we're talking about. No. You know, a decent chunk of the movie's runtime. Um, it actually kind of yeah. amateurish, to be honest. Like, I feel like if if I went out with a camera and filmed some stuff, apart from the fact that my violence wouldn't look as good because I'm not obviously trained in that, I feel like this is the kind of shit that I would put together on like my first draft. Like, it was just so basic. So yeah, hard no from me. There's better versions of this <laughs> out there. Yeah, big shame. I don't understand the praise that it got, like, at all. <laughs> like, it's not bad, necessarily. It's just completely forgettable. Like, and like you said, aside from that one, like, fight scene at the very end, which is good, like, I wouldn't go out of my way to watch this movie just for that when you can get a scene that good, if not better, in, like, it's nothing you can't see in movies that are better for their entire runtime. So, yeah, it, I wouldn't recommend it wouldn't say it's awful like if for some reason you really want to watch you know Vigo in a movie made by Cronenberg for some reason go ahead but I'm not gonna not gonna tell you to go like you know run out and see it it's definitely not uh, not something you need to watch it's entirely forgettable for them for the most part I agree with both of you it is a very forgettable film um, but where you say said that even the action scene at the end doesn't redeem it I would argue the exact opposite. Yeah. If you, if you were going to watch any part of this film, just the William Hurt scene is what you, you don't really need to watch any of the rest of the film to enjoy that. Have, have I ever seen Burn After Reading? Absolutely. I like that film. Yes. That is a film which I would say encompasses that idea of stringing out a joke for one punchline at the end. So Burn After Reading, it's a, it's a whole story of intermeshing, you know, people all, I can't even really remember what it's about, but it's just, uh, do they get some, some money or something from a mob or a key or is it something somebody's after anyway? The whole heap of people end up dying. But <clears throat> it, it's not that it's confusing, but it doesn't really seem to be going anywhere until we get to the end with David Roush and J.K. Simmons, the FBI agents or whatever, are talking. And the whole film is summed up with J.K. Simmons just saying, well, what the fuck did we learn? (laughs) (laughs) And it just pinches off the movie so perfectly. In that same sense, uh, just watching the William Hurt scenes alone is, is fine, but watching the whole film and how it takes its time and doesn't string you along, but just, tells its story and you're not quite sure where it's going. We get to this scene and there's 
the excellent bit of comedy with William Hurt and just his what the fuck is going on face, mm-hmm. I think that that pays off all the effort that you put into the film. I still wouldn't recommend it, I don't think, but I don't think you'll be disappointed if you appreciate it in that context. Yeah, and we're, we're, I don't think we're saying that we're not saying that the ending is not worth it. Like I say, it's, it's, it's a very small buy in with an hour and a half. Like total, it's just for yeah. me, it's just that first hour and twenty or hour and fifteen is just yeah useless in a sense. Well, it, it does yeah. set up a good yeah. a good yeah. joke, absolutely, but just for that time you yeah. through it, it's so mundane. Oh. Yeah. Well, I think that's us. So we'll be back on Monday with Munich, which my oh, I'm, that's going to be interesting. I don't know how that one's going to go for us because that's that was a, a lot more dense of a film than this. And that doesn't mean it was better. It just means it was longer. And, a, and oh, Christ almighty. It was long. It was too long. But was it worth it? Probably not. You know how I feel about movies that are over two hours. Um, yeah. right, well, let's do socials and we'll get out of here, I guess. Find us on Instagram at Second Take Podcast, or if you live in the future, you can tweet us at Second Take TNC. You can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Second Take. You can also follow me on Twitter if you like at Jordan MSPP. And you can follow me at Bastion underscore James. Uh, go to website, secondtakepodcast.com, or shuck us an email at secondtakepodcast at gmail.com. And we have a Patreon if you want to support the show, which is just patreon.com slash second take. So, yeah, Munich, that'll be fun. This is the one thing that this podcast has been building up to, talking about a real political movie that definitely doesn't involve two very controversial uh, political figures going at it. This is We're built for this one, guys. <laughs> Hooray! Ugh. Let's pick sides. Yeah, let's all pick sides. Uh, yeah, no thanks. All right, we'll we'll catch you next week. Thank you so much. Bye. Second Take Podcast is recorded within the Moreton Bay region of Queensland, Australia, and acknowledges this region's original owners, namely the Jinnabara, Kabi Kabi, and Yugara people. Second Take Podcast respectfully acknowledges the traditional custodians of these lands, and we pay our respects to elders past, present, and emerging, for they hold the memories, the traditions, the cultures, and hopes of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.